0: This is this, 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 this,
1: this, Fight Disciples.
0: We are gathered here today
1: for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk.
0: Welcome to episode 181 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Hope you're well. Thank you so much for your company. If this is the first time that you've ever stumbled across us, you know what to do by now. Come on, let's get involved with a little bit of subscription. You can do that via iTunes. Just search us out, Fight Disciples. Or you can go to our website if you're on Android. FightDisciples.com. All the links are on there. You can also get to all our social medias at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Lots to talk about in the world of uh, boxing throughout the course of the next hour or so. But first of all, I just want to address something that I put on my own personal uh, Twitter feed uh, last week. And it's regarding um, a lie that I made up with the job that I do for a living. Now, people have been tweeting me saying that uh, I made the story up. Now, listen. Was this in The Barbers? Yeah, it's in The Barbers, right? <clears throat> but I just want to paint a little bit of a picture with words because on Twitter, some things can maybe get taken out of, uh, out of context. Now, I have a thing, right, about not wanting to talk about what I do for a living. And the reason why I do that is because people ask me about characters that I know within the world of boxing or within the world of radio, and then kind of entice me to slag them off
1: yeah want a bit of dirt on people
0: exactly they want a bit yeah, of I dirt so for example thing. yeah if i say oh i'm a radio presenter on such and such a station they go "Oh, f- what's such and such a body like is he a bit of a cunt <laughs> right <laughs> and then if i agree to that which nine times out of ten i would do then the next conversation with the next geezer in the chair is hey that adam catterall's been in front talk sport right and he's been saying such and such a, body's a right dickhead." <laughs> Right, I don't yeah. want that on my conscience and I don't want out that out in the ether. So I decide to make up what I do for a living because when you do audio, you can kind of get away with it. If I was on telly, right? If it was a visual thing, you yeah. can't deny that it's you. No. But with audio, I can blag it a little bit. So anyway, a year ago, I gets myself a new barbers, right? And I'm sat there in the seat and the geezer says to me, "What do you do for a living?" Okay? Now, quick as a flash, I said train driver. I don't know why I said train driver, but it just came to me at that particular point. Maybe I've been on a train that day. So I said train driver. And we ends up having a conversation about the trains and what I do, right? Um, For those that want to know, I said that I was doing the Trans Pennine from uh, Manchester through to Cleethorpes. That's the route that I do on a day-to-day basis. Every now and again, I do the West Coast Main Line. Only in emergencies will I go down the East Coast, all right? Anyway, so that conversation has been going on for about a year. (laughs) <laughs> every time I come in you're not working today no no i would had every weekend I were on uh, East Coast Main Line like that weekend because of, of shortages and what have you oh Blimey now, what about this beast from the east that's coming in is that going to affect you anyway last week I goes in to get my ears lowered right I walk through the door of the Blooming Barbers and as soon as I've opened the door, there's a bit of a queue, there's all the seats are taken and there's a couple of lads waiting for their haircut. cut. Yep. I goes into the barbers and the geezer that normally cuts me hair turns around and he goes, I'm bloody glad you're in, I've just been speaking about you. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, right? He goes, trains? What about them? He goes, what were all that about last week? With we snow and all bloody cancellations. I've been ringing through to try and get me money back on some tickets that I purchased. and they're bloody fobbing me off, and this, that, and the other act of God, and all this. Next thing you know, that a guy sat down. He goes, "Do you wait for trains?" And I went, <laughs> "I said, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I'm in too deep with a lie. Oh, I can't go man, back, can I? Stupid. What would I do there? This what? is fucking stupid. Yeah, but what should I do there? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'll go to that barber's. That's where I go, right? Yeah, but you could just go. No, that's not me. What do you mean it's not me? I've to- the guy knows it's not it's me because no, I've no, been telling him. You could have gone Oh, sorry No, you're after all Adam and Bill. What, I made another lie up, saying that
1: I'm a twin. <laughs> You're a <the> twin, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Anyway, I weren't sharp enough to think like that. I've gone in, Anna. I've continued this conversation. Fuck so basically, I've taken complaints during this. Uh, I was there for about an hour, waiting for Mioka, having Mioka, and then clearing off. Right. So I've been taking complaints from every customer that comes in that uses the the rail service. Um, I um, was giving them advice of how to get their money back on tickets that they purchased uh, that hadn't been refunded as of yet. Um, I was then giving him our terms and conditions policy as to what uh, constitutes cancellations, why stuff gets cancelled. Basically, I was just absolutely bullshitting my ass off for a whole fucking <laughs> hour, trying to get myself out of this conversation. But I've made it even deeper now. I mean, I mean, I'm so encrusted into this lie. There's no going back. I'm gonna have to change me barber. Have you never done that? Have you never made up a little bit of shit? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Mm. But but then I quite
1: like going into the barbers because the barber knows he's a UFC fan. So he he's sees, me on, sees me on a bit of TV. He's a fight disciple. He's got the stickers up in the barber shop, and So we have a bit of banter when I go here. Plus, he, he always goes, what's he like? And I love lot more than going, he's a cunt. <laughs> so
0: don't you ever go there? No, no, no. I'll been getting tweets from the lads going, yeah, yeah, Nick's always in here slagging you off, mate. Eh? Always in here. Listen, yeah. I, I, I compose as
1: a, a Hollywood actor... Direct screenwriter, don't forget. Is that what you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the, one of the, let me just read a tweet that I got this week from one of the fight disciples. Yeah. Goes by that hashtag at racyemu. Been following us for a while, likes to comment on us. Okay. His comment, this piece, referencing uh, that little bit of UFC London breakdown that I did for BT Sports. Can
0: I just bear in mind, this will be on the UFC show because I'm going to rip the shit out of you. Well,
1: his comment is uh, just because, you know, being a man that you're talking about being somebody else. Yeah. His comment was, great piece to advertise, P.T.'s burgeoning Nick Frost lookalike career. Nah, hey. Nick Frost lookalike yeah, yeah, career. Yeah, why, why do I keep getting compared to Nick Frost and a fat Tyson Fury? Like, am I that big? Just saying. Fucking hell, camera come adds on. A, Camera you, adds a bit, doesn't the it? Camera does have
0: a bit, we yeah. You need to tell in him. mind. Let's not let shoot this. Can we go this? back
1: to the old Paul Smith references, mm. please?
0: At least Paul's quite smelt. Well, when, uh, when we maybe take uh, Fight Disciples into a visual uh, realm, my friend, I'm telling you, we can't shoot it in HD and we can't do it in widescreen can be we're, gonna, we're gonna have to slim this between, thing right now between down. my gut
1: and your bald head. We
0: <laughs> <smooth>. <laughs> no posing as youngsters, then. Have you ever? Uh, have you ever been on a night out and made up a job in order to impress a girl?
1: Well, I've told you about the night out we had with Michael Flatley, haven't I? Which was fucking sensational.
0: Tell everybody else that's it's a belter.
1: One of the lads, po- so we were out in Liverpool and a couple of mates from Birmingham with up. Big Dan from the villa uh, and a few of the lads were up and one of their mates was an absolute ringer. And I mean ringer for Michael Flatley. But, you know, wore the same type of clothes, got his hair cut that way. He was on it. He was absolutely on it. Had the same it. fucking mullet? Had the same look and everything wow. down. Wow.
0: Did he go out in tap shoes?
1: Uh, I'm not. No, this is the whole thing, you see, because oh,
0: no. so as he walks into a bar, he's constantly tapping.
1: Walks into a bar. The, the place goes nuts straight away because he looks like him so immediately you pose we, we did it in Liverpool we pose as a security you know listen mate we're going to need the VIP view for Michael Flatley blah 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 we're going to need some bubbly sent over a couple of girls sent over nice one
0: a couple of girls have them washed and brought exactly. over to Michael
1: bring them over the thing was he's a fucking Brummie so he can't, he can't speak he's got to say nothing just mutter little bits of, of, of like Irish can he twang can not like
0: a broken Irish and the worst
1: twang? thing is once he gets pissed he wants to dance so you're like oh, no no Michael, oh, sit down, sit. sit down, Michael. You've got a show. You've got a show he's in, not, in a couple what's of his hours. real name? I've got no idea. All right, go on. Got no idea, but it, anyway, it ended up quite messy. Let's say, and um, you know, nightclub owners, security guards, and girls on a night out are very gullible mm. when it comes to Michael Flatley. So you have had a night out on Michael. If you listen, night out on Michael. Flatley, he's yeah. a fight disciple. He's Michael Flatley. He is, yeah. If the Thanks real Michael
0: that. Flatley's listening, thank you very much uh, for the night out. A pal of mine. Wh- Randomly, this happened in Liverpool as well, right? So a mate of mine works for the FA. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they go all over the country, obviously, working with various football clubs and stuff like that. Anyway, they were on Merseyside, a couple of my mates. Let's go and have a bit of a night out, right? So he goes and has a bit of a night out. And he has this thing about making it up, just making up jobs. So, sometimes he's a fighter jet pilot, sometimes he's a watch model, sometimes he's invented this. Watch model? That were mine on this what night out. Look at Yeah, no, seriously, that were mine on the night out. I said, hey, I'm a watch model. Look at the hands. They're fucking mint them, aren't they? I'm trying to secure a contract with Rolex. I'm tag you at the moment, but I'm trying to get a Rolex deal. Anyway, that went on for about an hour. That went on for an hour in itself. Brilliant. Anyway, check this out. So, my pal's chatting to this group of la We're all chatting to this group of lasses. And uh, my pal goes, um, yeah, I'm a pet detective. And I thought, fucking. Oh, mint. That's a clack. That's a cracker. Where's he going with this now? This is absolute gold. Anyway, he goes off on one chatting away, giving it the big and he's like, he's got us in stitches with some of the jo- some of the things that he's been up to, right? Capturing fucking hamsters and various things like this. Anyway, right? He ends up getting it on with his burn, takes her back to the apartment that we were renting and gives her a right, good scene too. I'm thinking, all right, sound. Swaps numbers with you, does The Bell end. Anyway, back and forth. Every time he's on Merseyside, they meet up, go out for a bite to eat and all yep. this type of stuff ends up smashing her, right? That's basically the, the the relationship that he had. And this went on for about three or four months. Anyway, right, we were out again in Liverpool on this night, or about to go out, we're all getting ready for a night out, phone's going, she picks up the bloody phone, doesn't it? And it's this lass. We think, oh, are you out tonight type thing, or yeah, yeah. our pals are out and all this type of stuff. No, she's hysterical on the other end of the phone. Please tell me she's lost the dog. Her mate has lost the dog. <laughs> <laughs> her mate... Dog's gone missing, right? What's he do at that point? Now, again, similar to me going into the barbers, what do you do? It's fight or flight. That's what yeah. you do. You either fucking own up and you say, listen, I'm full of shit. yeah, yeah. Or you go balls deep. He goes balls deep, doesn't he? <laughs> Absolutely balls deep. I'm on my way, no problem. Right? <laughs> he fucking goes round to her house with a notepad and pen, starts checking Dear Snorker yes. on <laughs> Magnifying Start, glass. Honestly, mate, he starts fucking taking notes on this dog's description. <laughs> <laughs> Full on, right? So the this girl who's lost the dog's absolutely hysterical. What 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 happens next? A lot of, is
1: he putting a lot of graft in here. Right. She
0: must have been uh, she must have been pretty neat in the sack. Oh she, mate, she was she was tidy the last that he was smashing, but I don't know what the mate was like. Yeah, I never yeah. met her. Anyway. Banter's going back and forth, he's taking all these notes, he goes, right, I can't promise anything, but don't you worry, I'll get my sources on it and we'll get on with it, right? He leaves the house and he's thinking to himself, what the fuck am I going to do? He's walking down the drive. Please tell me the dog comes up the path. The neighbour is bringing the fucking dog back. (laughs) You can't write this. The neighbour's bringing the dog back and he goes, oh. Is that, I can't remember the dog's name, but is that such and such? Yeah. And you go, oh, yeah, 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 you've got the label on here. I've seen the address and I'm bringing the dog back. It was down the bottom end of the road. It was stuck under a thing. And no problem whatsoever. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, honestly. But this is before the door's open and, and anybody can see what's going on. He fucking texts the dog off oh, the yes. neighbour, shakes and Thank you so much, I'll come back. What number you're at? Text the number that right, I'll come down and sort your reward out and all this type of stuff. Anyway, he walks back up the drive, knocks on the door. Shit, He's there with a fucking... Honestly, <laughs> mate. Honestly. Please tell me you invoiced voiced as well. Oh, <laughs> it... <laughs> can you imagine that? How, look, that is like fucking someone dropping some shit out of the sky and going, you lucky bastard yeah, to get away hilarious. with that life. Anyway, he had to end up break off that really He couldn't keep up that life because every man and his dog would be bloody ringing him now, Course. getting recommendations that maybe he's he the pet have, detective. He maybe
1: he could have became a pet detective,
0: though. He could Thought have made me. good money. It sounds like he was good at it. Anyway, he it off. There you go. I can't believe he didn't invoice the girl. He I should have, have, have been. invoiced a mate, definitely. No, you're all right. Just get us a couple of drinks. You're all right. I'm going to go meet the lads now. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> <laughs> Gets out in sound fucking hell. You'll never guess what I've just done, lads. And he tells honestly the rest of the night was absolute go. Beats beating a watch model anyway, done uh, it in my life being a train driver. <laughs> Anyway, in case you've just tuned in to uh, the Fight Disciples podcast, it's not all about being a pet detective and bullshitting uh, girls in order to get your wicked way, William. It's mm-hmm. nothing to do with that. Uh, there's other things going on in the world of fight sports, and what a weekend we have had. We've got two fantastic, fantastic fights to talk about and obviously get excited about some of the stuff that's coming up uh, in the not-too-distant future. And we will be speaking about Clem Buterol, i have no doubt, at some point over the next hour, so make sure you stick around. Uh, Scott Quigg, Oscar Valdez. Now... Right? People know, if you listen to this show on a regular basis, Scott's a mate of ours. Yep. So you're probably fully anticipating us to go and defend all sorts of stuff. Right? So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to get it all off my chest now and then we'll 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 see what avenue this takes because me and Nick might have different opinions on, the, on what has happened. Right? So now what we know is this. Scott's missed weight. And he's missed weight because he broke his foot and therefore he couldn't get his robe work in and therefore he couldn't get the job done, all right? He couldn't get get that weight off.
1: Couldn't get the last three pounds. That last
0: three pounds, all right? Now, okay, shit happens. You've signed a contract. You've got to weigh 126 pounds. He's not made 126 pounds and there's no excuses in my opinion for that. That's what's happened, okay? On weighing day, he's overweight. He wants to fight. Oscar Valdez is a fighter. He wants to fight. Yep. The day after, refusing, and he has done this because this has come out now from, uh, from Eddie Hearn. The day after, this is where the, I the have the problem. The, fight. the morning of the fight, this is where I've got the problem, right? So he's missed weight and it's an accident. We know he's a, he's a pro. We know that he's due diligent. We know that he's this, that, and the other. Okay, sound all right. It's a one-off. He's made a mistake. Job done, okay? Yeah. I'm not condoning it, but that's the, that's the facts. The day after, morning of the morning of the fight, being asked to weigh in again just to see where he's at. And then refusing to do it—that's where I have a problem, right? I think he should have done that, and I think he should have done that because for me, he hasn't um, obliged the uh, contractual obligations that he's got. He's made, he's he's overweight, and therefore fighter safety then comes into fruition for me. Yeah, and because he's then said, "No, I'm not." doing it all the internet rumors start flying around then don't they oh he's not weighing in on them he's done this on purpose it's a yeah. little bit snide it's a little bit sneaky and, and that didn't wash with me on the day when people were saying that because i know scott yeah unless he's had a transplant uh, uh, a personality transplant since he's moved to america i know that that's not in him there's something there was something up somewhere down the line now for him to refuse to weigh in on the morning of that fight didn't wash right with me and I still don't agree. He should he should hundred percent doing it when he's walking to the ring at one hundred and forty two pounds, mate. And Mikey Garcia's is fighting that night, and he's walking to the ring at one hundred and forty seven pounds. You know what I mean? He's a big old unit. Fighter safety comes in uh, into play here for me now. Fighters are fighters. Fighters are animals. They want to fight. That's yeah. it. I don't. They don't give a shit about weight. Me against you. Let's get in there and let's get it done.
1: Yeah.
0: Oscar Valdez. Now he, was, I, he
1: wasn't asked. Like Scott didn't wait and No, morning. I know he wasn't Ingest. asked.
0: And, and I'm led to believe his team were in his ear saying, "Listen, mate, what the fuck are you playing? Mate? You need to be asked about this particular situation." But he's a fighter. This is where something else has to cut. Co- we have to get a governing body involved in when fighters miss weight. Okay, we, we've got these guys now involved that when fighters are obviously getting tested positive for drugs. But when fighter misses weight, there's a reason why we have weight categories, mate. Fighter safety, right? Somebody has to get hold of this and say, "Right, you've missed weight. The fight's off. I don't give a shit that the belt's not on the line anymore." The fight's off. End of chat. You've missed weight. You're supposed to hit uh featherweight. You've not hit featherweight. That's the end of the fight. Yeah. Job done. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Because the fighters are yeah, gonna
1: but, want to fight. Yeah, but you're romantic. You, you still you're still you're looking at from a romantic perspective that all sp- all sport is neutral and it's all about the competition. Well, it's not. Boxing is show business, baby. Mm. It's about money. Like everything in life, it's about money. Over fighter safety? Yes, it is. It's about money. Because a lot of promotion went into this fight. The TV networks were at this fight. People have invested to travel to this fight, bought tickets, booked hotel rooms, booked flights. There was a lot of pressure for this fight to take place, more, more so than ever from the TV networks because boxing is booming right now. There's a lot of competition out there. The you know Was this uh, HBO in America? Mikey Garcia was over on Showtime or vice versa?
0: Yeah, it will have been, t- top rank. Uh... Oh, was it ESPN? To ESPN. It's been, it'd been ESPN, yeah. Sorry,
1: yeah. So ESPN, you know, doing this free to air boxing campaign with top rank, they don't want to miss their slot. They know there's competition over on a different channel with Mikey Garcia and everything else. They know there's eyeballs on on another part of the sport. So they want to deliver what they've been promising they're going to deliver for the last two weeks of TV previews and everything else. So mm. the pressure on the fighters to actually perform is much more than a corner going, listen, he's overweight. Well, but the the TV networks that have been saying to T. Oscar Valdez. Listen, he's just scared of you, that's all. You know, you're going to get 10% of his pace and blah. If anything happens, you know, you'll get an immediate rematch. And they'd have have softened the blow, if you like, around Oscar Valdez. But to think that someone or... The last thing boxing needs right now is another governing body. I truly believe that. And look at football. Does boxing need a FIFA FIFA's no. corrupt as fuck. Yeah. It's the most corrupt organization possibly in the world. Yeah, but look at boxing and the richest. Yeah, but boxing is as corrupt as it fucking it is. It is. But the problem is, what do you want to do? Add another governing body to that? Add no, another bu- level of bureaucracy that are going to take money off fighters? It's bad enough now having all these governing bodies of each individual, uh, uh, you know, organization like IBF, WBC, WBO, mm. uh, all that kind of stuff. Without adding a international boxing commission across the top, because. They will just take more off the boxes as well. So, getting to the bottom of this is kind of difficult. And once again, it probably comes down to promoters and governing bo- organizations—let's call them belt organizations—coming together as unity and coming together as one. But then, look at the sport. You know, Lewis Ortiz is just fought for 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 a title while he was completely banned for 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 drug offenses by another organization. The sport is completely disjointed. So, I, I just think we've just got to be. <clears throat> got to be careful. do th- you agree? What's the point in having a weight category then? What's no, the point? I, I, you I, miss I, weight. I agree I, in this instance. If someone misses weight, there's got to be some kind of law that all the governing bodies look at look at Nery last week in, in Japan. Mm. You know, he knocks out the champ again. So now he's been banned forever from vi- fighting in Japan. But surely there's got to be a 10% or a, a you know, a 6% weight advantage bracket where you go anything over whatever it may be, of what you should be weighing in on the day, then the fight is immediately cancelled. There's Mm -hmm. no discussions, there's no anything else. If you're more than 10% of your body weight over what you signed a contract to weigh in at, the fight should be automatically, you know, uh, automatically cancelled. Something like that's got to come in. But the only way that works is if the WBC, the IBO,
0: the WBA, you know, WBO, WBA, IBF, and every promoter on the planet. But all those guys. It. But all those guys, like as you said, right at the start, this—they're all getting weighed in. They're yeah, getting the, the exactly. sanctioning fee. That's so, what they're getting. They're so, all getting weighed in for it.
1: So where's the interest from them to go? You know, we we want to. What's we, it got to take?
0: We right? want to make the sport safe. I mean, look at that. At the But weekend, we want right? to get paid more. So, so Scott, and again, he's a mate, right? But I'm just using this as an example. He is weighing over um, the contracted weight allowance, two point right? eight pound over, yeah, right. And he's broke um, Valdez's jaw. That's yeah. what he's done in the right? first round, So, yeah. so the fight has gone on, and Valdez has come away from that fight with a broken jaw. Yeah, now. There'll be people out there going, Oh, that's because he was look however he was, you know what I mean? He were whacking him with all that extra force. Yeah. Now it could have happened, even if they'd just come in at 126. I mean, Scott Brook is doing the fight with Frampton when yeah. they fought, yeah? It could have just happened. Of course. But you're adding fuel to the fire. It's like, for example, when some and we've had it recently, someone dies in the ring. Yeah. Right? And they die against a clean athlete. It happens, okay? What if they die against a guy that has been popped overweight. for drugs or, or overweight, pop for drugs, overweight? Yeah, yeah. You're adding fuel to that fire, and it doesn't need that fuel. It, you know, it's a dangerous sport. This ain't this ain't fucking playtime. You're not running in a straight line. You're whacking people in the face. You're trying to you're trying to knock another dude out in order to win a fight. That's what you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, you know what?
1: I'm I'm trying to play devil's advocate. I agree with you how can the sport change? There's too much money involved for the sport to change. Mm. There's so many multiple organisations. There's so many promoters. There's so many fighters. You know, We talk about it all the time. This is the golden age of boxing. Right now, we're living in a golden age of boxing. It's never Mm. been so competitive. There's never been so amazing, so many amazing champions, not just from the UK, but internationally as well. The sport is absolutely thriving right now. So, unless there's this... You know this incredible, like UN-style delegation that comes in. That is a charitable donation, if you like. That's a company that's not there to make money, but is there to, you know, con- to to be the voice between every promoter, between every TV network, and between every one of these sanctioned body slash organizations. The sport can't change, and to to imagine that's going to come in is kind of romantic. You know, I'll do it. I, I will do it for free if someone just pays my. Petrol Bill, I will speak to everybody on my mobile phone bill, and I will make sure everybody's safe. I will do that because I love the sport. But at some point, someone's going to get involved, and that's Sepp Blatter syndrome. It's fucking inevitable because everybody else around the sport's making millions. Mm -hmm. So you won't get an umbrella company that comes in and goes, listen, guys, we'll just do it for our mobile phone bill. It won't work because there's too much money involved. Mm -hmm. Like everything in life, once money's involved, it's fucked. Now, I get it. I completely get it. I think Scott Quigg, it was very important he performed like he did at the weekend. Very important he performed like dance Saturday night because it was an amazing fight. But you know what was even more important? That he didn't win. Because if he'd have won, this conversation would have been so much more venomous towards Scott Quigg. Mm. You broke the man's jaw. You know, he's no longer the champion. You failed to make weight. You know, forget about the fact you've got a fractured foot you've got you took him to war because you knew you were too much heavier than him and you would break his jaw and you would wear him down and you would take the belt from him you've destroyed this man's legacy you've but you know Scott who would be under so much fire right now it's lucky he lost because we can kind of look back and go Do you know the fractured foot yeah that's why he was overweight not weighing in the morning that's naughty because
0: well, he you could, could have, have controlled his weight, well, kept check this. as low as possible. I've got a theory on that, right? I've got a theory on this. Now that we know everything that we know, post fight. I mean, as this was all breaking, yeah. you make an automatically... We uh, were talking
1: uh, about it yeah, because we night, night, yeah.
0: on the radio, so, and we were saying, this doesn't make sense. This no. is not Scott Quick. So, you, so you're, you're kind of piece in pieces together as it's coming along, so therefore, oh, he's refused to weigh in, and then automatically think, that's a bit snide. Why is he doing that? You know what I mean? Obviously, has he done this on purpose? Yeah. No, it's Scott. The, Scott wouldn't have done this on purpose. This is ridiculous. Anyway, now that we know everything that we know forced fight I personally think right he's absolutely and we know Scott so this I'm only going off knowing him he's heartbroke that he's missed weight because in his head when he was on our show a couple of weeks back he wants to be a two weight world champion Yeah. That, and he got absolutely. an opportunity a voluntary opportunity to become a two weight world champion at the weekend obviously he got injured and therefore the weight wouldn't come off with, his, uh, with, with him not being able to do his road work so he's missed weight the belt's now no longer an option for him I think what he's done in the morning, right, subconsciously, I think, I'm not going to weigh in here, or maybe someone's got in his ear and said, don't weigh in, because that might send an alarm bell to the other camp, and the other camp might pull it. Mm-hmm. Because then what would happen is, well, we'll we'll rearrange this fight for another day, which then gives Scott an, a, a longer period of time to get fit, to lose the weight, and get then a fight sanctioned for a world title. Yeah, I think in the morning, he's thought to himself, if this fight's off, I'm only going to get another day, that's what I think. That's... Who's, who you think Scott's fought That Scott or someone in Scott's team yeah. has thought to themselves: If this fight gets pulled, if it's cancelled, yeah, then this fight will be rearranged for another date, and therefore Scott will get a shot at a world title. Okay, so why why wouldn't they weigh in then? That doesn't make any sense. What in the morning? Yeah, because what because if you don't weigh in, yeah, then what you do is you create an alarm with the other team. You create an alarm with Oscar Valdez's team, thinking, "Fucking hell, how big is he?" How Why is he done this on purpose? This is fucking. This is not right here. We're pulling out of this. We're out.
1: Okay, but you, but you could argue he was so much bigger that had he weighed in, they'd have done exactly the same thing. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's bad enough being through. Yeah, there's that Those argument were, as well. Now, now you're yeah, stone cool. over. Yeah, we're pulling it because it would have been in Scott's interest. However, my my point on that is: would he? Would he have got another date? you? I think he'd done the opposite. I think he hasn't weighed in not to let Vargas camp things go, whoa, fucking hell, you're stoned over now. It was £3 yesterday. Now you're a stone. We're cancelling. Because I think if the fight gets cancelled, it doesn't happen. And believe you me, I think the, I think a lot of the organisers might thought, torrential downpour out there. It's an open-air stadium. We could do with this getting pulled and moved back. But because this was a voluntary defence, yeah, maybe. maybe the Mandrassi kicks in then. The, the, WBO, the WBO could have gone, wait a minute. You've got to move it back. 10 weeks. I'm sorry, Scott Quigg's no longer the opponent. Your mandatory contender's no more the components. And I think that's why Scott Quigg never pulled out two weeks ago with a fractured foot. I think if he goes like that two weeks ago, shit, I fractured my foot, guys. Can we move this back eight weeks? I think the WBO and maybe even Valdez go, sorry, Scott, you've missed the boat, son. I've got to fight my mandatory now. And I think that's why he goes into the fight with a fractured foot.
0: Mm. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. There's lots of theories. There's two ways to look but at it. But what we know now, right? We now know the facts, right? Yeah. End of the day, the fight goes ahead. And I'll tell you something, even though that I've just absolutely waxed lyrical about the fight should have been called off because of missing weight, yeah. and I genuinely stand by that, yeah. I'm fucking glad it didn't. Gross. I'm glad it didn't get pulled because Scott Quigg, in my opinion, saves his career on Saturday night. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know, what was the tweet you put
1: out on Saturday night? Was it? Is it he, he he lost all his fans but on Friday? But he or he, or he deserved to have his money taken off him on Friday, but a bonus on Saturday or something.
0: Yeah, so he lo- let's be honest, he did lose a lot of fans on Friday yep. and on, in did. the early hours of Saturday morning, loses a lot of fans and takes a pair cut on Friday, and then by the end of Saturday, early hours of Sunday morning. He's regained them all, maybe gained a few more over in the States and probably deserved a little bit of a bonus as well because I thought he was tremendous.
1: He was tremendous, you know, and I think, you know, I know the Oscar Valdez team, now they're going to come away with a broken jaw and think, wow. But that fight made Oscar Valdez. That made that that secured him. Proved to everyone on on a world scale this kid's legit, and this kid could potentially be the best of the lot. This mm. could be this kid could be the best featherweight walk on the planet. We knew he was dangerous. We knew he was massively avoided. But did we know he had the balls to come through a fight? Did we know he could slug it out? We knew he was fast-handed. We mm. knew he can punch. But did we know he can go in the trenches and come through it? And you know what? He proved against Scott Quigg that he can. I think Valdez now, for me, is the it, everything that we've we've kind of been uh, alluding towards, that he's the most avoided guy in the division. This is why. Mm. He's young, he's yeah, hungry, yeah. he's super talented. Fast as fuck, man. And he's got a chin. Yeah. First three rounds, Scott couldn't get anywhere near him. No. Anywhere near him. He was just way too quick. And I was thinking, this is going to be a long night for Scott Quiggy. Yeah, Good enough. He changed his tactics up. He catches him in the fifth round. Wobbles him bad. You know, Valdez had a bit of a stanky leg. and But even then... No, we know Scott can finish fights. We know he can use his power to overwhelm people. But Valdez got through that round. He yeah. moved well. He he got his leg. He got, he got his legs working, even though he was what he was rocked, and he held on to Quig on the inside and tied Scott up. And after Scott landed that big shot, he never landed anything else in like the fi- the final forty seconds of the round. Yeah. And that's credit to Valdez. And he comes out in the next round, the sixth, his head's completely cleared again. So. I I was so impressed with Valdez. Well, I was
0: getting tons on social media over the weekend because I said, listen, there's only one fighter in the featherweight division that I think can really cause Valdez trouble, and that's Lee Selby. I think Lee Selby's got the skills. He's a totally different style of fighter which would cause... Uh, Oscar Valdez, The Trouble. And then people get on to me saying, oh, you missed uh, Frampton off your list. Oh, you've missed Leo Santa Cruz off your list. No, I didn't. I purposely left them off the list because I genuinely believe, after watching that at the weekend, Oscar Valdez is the fucking shit, mate. He is ridiculously tough. He's fast. He hits hard. I mean, look at Scott's face. You know what I mean? He's not pitter patted him, has he? He smashed his face to pieces. Yep. I think that Valdez is too fast for Frampton. I think he's too fast for Santa Cruz. I think Abner Mahrez is a good fight. I think that's a good fight, but the matchup, the Styles making fights, I don't think it's going to be a world class w- wonder brawl with him and Selby.
1: Yeah,
0: I think Selby could just school him a little bit by being on that back foot, pot shot out, out, out the sides, lots of lateral movement. I think Selby's the boy that I'd love to see that fight just to see how it matches up. Because yep. I'm saying all this, but Valdez is ridiculously quick as well, ridiculously Absolutely. quick. Uh, you know what I think. <clears throat> People have short memories as well. Don't
1: forget Selby's Selby's last two performances in 2017... both were completely tinged with, with issues, you yeah. know, it, it, Yeah, the bereavement in the family, then there was loads of missing weight issues. Remember, he was supposed to be fighting in Vegas and then the fight didn't happen because the f- guy failed failed on a blood test or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and yeah. It was rescheduled. It was. It, he's had an absolute mess over the last 12, 18 months. And I think people forget how talented Lee Selby is, the, the Welsh Mexican himself. I've said it for a long time. I believe he's the best featherweight in the division. But what I feared was he was never going to get the opportunity to take on the Framptons, the Leo Santa Cruzers and the Valdez of this world because his career just didn't seem to be moving in the right direction. But thankfully now, Uncle Frank signed up all the best featherweight in this country uh, or certainly three of the, three of the four best uh, Like you know he's going to fight Warrington next which I think is a, a perfect fight to then lead on to a Frampton fight and then after Frampton I think then you're looking at the Valdezs and the Leo Santa Cruz's and the Oscar Marez of this world and for me I'd love to see Lee Selby in with all of them because I think Lee Selby on his day has got more talent than a lot of them. Mm. I truly believe that. I just think the last 12 months, he's had a terrible time. His last two fight camps were completely and utterly a mess because of what was going on in his personal life or what was going on politically everything else. I think we're going to see the best of Lee Selby against Josh Warrington. And it will remind the world why we both, I think we both believe he's the best fed weight on the planet on his mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And I'm, we're massive Carl Frampton fans. Yeah, Don't huge, get me wrong.
0: Huge, Massive Carl Frampton fans. I'm so looking forward to the Diné fight without any show of doubt. And you know what? I come away from this weekend thinking to myself, if only Scott Quigg fought like that against Frampton. I know. Yep. If Scott Quigg fought like that against Frampton, what would have been the outcome? I yep. think we'd have got a better version of Frampton. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he would have won the fight. Yep. I think we'd have got a better version of Frampton, but it would have been interesting because that's how I anticipated Quigg to fight Frampton. Yeah, me too. Foot down, in head, your face. Head on
1: chest. Constant. Close the distance. Constant. Not let get, get the shots off. Yeah. It was only the fact that Valdez was so is so young and is still so sharp his engine was Brilliant. his engine just went for days, and he was just slipping shots, his footwork was just unreal. He didn't slow down at any point, point. Hmm. Um, and I think that's ultimately what what caught Scott out at the weekend. He just couldn't pin the kid down long enough to really impose himself. But again, man, Oscar Mara, Oscar Valdez is is the real deal.
0: He's the well, imagine
1: how, I know it's not going to happen. But we don't believe it's going to happen this year, but just throw all them into an eight man tournament for the World Boxing Super Series star tournaments how good would
0: that be mm. it would be insane mm. uh, one man that also impressed us at the weekend well he impressed us he didn't impress the American TV lot um, what a farce that was Mikey Garcia taking on Sergey Lipinets Mikey Garcia now a four division world champion and um, do you know something Nick walked into the studio this morning, and then the first thing that he talked about was the commentary uh, that we were getting via the American feed on Box Nation. I watched it on Box Nation. Mm-hmm.
1: Showtime, it was the showtime right.
0: commentary team. So I must have switched off and stopped listening to the commentary and just watching the the, the, the poetry that uh, Mikey Garcia was chucking out throughout the course of that fight. Uh, because you picked up on something, maybe you're at the back end of the fight, probably from about six onwards, where they were absolutely calling it a close fight that Mikey Garcia were in trouble, and he's uh, he's definitely not. Uh, 140 pounder. I couldn't think of anything to the contrary, my friend. I thought he looked absolutely magnificent in periods in that fight. Me too. I thought it was just
1: utter nonsense. I was watching it Sunday night um, and then I had, to, I had to go online to read some of the American fight reports, you know, from some of the big, uh, big boxing websites and some of the, the big broadcasters in the US to, to, to kind of get a grip on what the hell was going on. And, you know, I found one reputable website as well that were like saying, you know, Lippinitz won this fight easy. Garcia couldn't land the right hand all night. He's definitely not a, a, you know, a super lightweight and like kind of agreeing with what the Showtime commentary team were watching. But I didn't see that at all, at all. I gave Lippin, it's probably two, maybe three rounds, purely based on efforts more than anything. Yes, he was there. Listen, sometimes when, when fights are so one sided, you know, I think the judges scored at 116, 111, and two 117, 110s. I, I was on board with that. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, At the end of the fight, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That's, I saw a couple of American journalists
0: it. called it 115-113, and I was like, fucking hell, that's close. No, it, no, definitely, no it
1: definitely wasn't that close. I think Lipinitz probably won two or three rounds, as I say, and the the
0: the fights were, it, it, the fight was competitive from start to finish. It was similar to the first one. It was. None of us are saying that Scott was well in that fight. It was in the rounds, but yeah, Oscar yeah. Valdez won those rounds. Exactly. And Lipinitz was in the rounds. But he wasn't winning rounds. He wasn't winning the rounds. <laughs> no, he wasn't, absolutely not.
1: You know, if you look at the... Look at the faces after the fight. Look at faces and go, look at Valdez and Mikey Garcia. Now look at the face of Scott Quigg And uh, and
0: lipping it today. They're off to uh, audition for the next avatar for them, (laughs) them, boys, aren't they? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Jesus Christ. If they make a Goonies 2, those those two stand
0: up as potential slots. (laughs) They're not enough junk. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
1: Fucking Mikey Garcia with his beautiful hair looked as slick as I do today.
0: Yeah, you have gone for it today. I've got a proper gone for the Mikey Garcia today. You've got up this morning and you've Mikey Garcia'd that. I just went straight into the
1: oven, hands in the lard from the bacon fat. Yeah. That'll do me, son. Mikey
0: Garcia today. A little bit of Mexican. I was going to do
1: the goatee, but uh,
0: Mrs. Pete wouldn't let me. Um, Speaking of misses, right, and and comparing it to actual fights and Mikey Garcia's performance at the weekend and going on what you've just been saying there, all these American journalists and commentators. Now, I'm going to let you in on something. Mikey doesn't have uh, a TV deal. He doesn't have an agent doesn't have a promoter, does it all himself. Yeah. So make of that what you will. If they're pushing certain narratives on the television, whoa! Well, lo and behold, exactly. there's a surprise for you. Yeah. Anyway, regarding Mikey Gossier, watching that fight the weekend, I, it got to about the sixth round, right? And I started thinking to myself, I'm a 36, nearly 37-year-old man and there's not many things that get me odd anymore, right? <laughs> there isn't. I've been blessed to see the majority of things in this life, even in my short existence, and there's not many things that give me wood. Obviously, when the missus dresses up and she makes a bit of an effort on Valentine's Day, that gets me going. When she gets the old fishnets out, you know what I'm saying, sweetheart? Get the eye heels on that, yeah. all that type of carry on. That's probably at the top of the tree. Second, and it's a very close second is Mikey Garcia's counter left hook. It is a thing of absolute fucking beauty, isn't it? It is, yeah. If you were to throw a left hook, you'd throw it exactly like Mikey Garcia, probably dressed as uh, uh, Oscar De La Hoya and my wife's fist and, uh, and high heels. That's exactly how you'd throw it. And the way that he uh, landed that in the seventh round and put Lippinitz down on his ass for the first time in his professional career was just beautiful.
1: Yeah. Do you know what else I loved as well? Just that long right hand. He he commits to it so much Mm. and it does so much damage. You can see now why he knocks so many people out, but he just, he follows it straight behind that jab, but he throws the jab with such venom as well. He steps right into the jab, but it's it's immediate. As soon as that, as soon as that jab touches the chin, the right hand rockets coming straight behind it and he throws it so straight and true. Now, there's no loop in that right hand at all. It's just straight. The jab goes right through the guard,
0: disorientates you, and that straight right hand well, that's comes it. right after. I mean, he, he must cross about 10 feet when he does well, it. Well, that's why he's doing it, isn't it? He? He, he, if you commit to a jab, rather than... We were talking about Deontay Wilder's jab last week, which is technically non-existent, isn't it? He's there trying to pull away your guard in order to pull it down to throw the shot. Whereas Mikey Garcia is committing to his jab. He's using it as an offensive weapon. He knows full well that it's a good jab, and therefore if he lands it, and nine times out of ten he does, he's going to startle you. You're going to think, fucking hell, what was that? And if you are automatically uh, startled, follow it up with another shot straight away, because there's a chance as you were just alluding to there, that you're going to get knocked out. So if he's opened up the guard, you're startled, you're a little bit dazed off the first shot and the next one's coming in in less than a second later and it's coming in twice as hard as yeah. he does when he commits to that big long right hand. Fucking hell, mate. I mean, there was a period, I think it was in the eighth or the ninth round. At the end of the round, he was just landing them for fun. It would jab, yeah. right cross. Jab right cross. When your footwork
1: two. is as good as Mikey Garcia's, and you can close the distance like he can, you can afford to com- completely commit to that jab because you're not just jabbing to the top of the head; you're jabbing to the neck, the, the upper chest. So you know for a fact, as soon as that punch lands, because you're committing to it, that guy is going to be knocked onto his heels. Yeah. So even if even if your opponent throws a perfect counter, he's throwing it off his heels. So the chance, there's not going to be much power there because his body, his momentum's moving backwards as he throws a punch. But the beauty Beauty of that is you—you th- you throw commit to that jab and then throw the right hand right behind it because your right hand's traveling so much, you get so much more power on it, and you get to punch right through your opponent's face. Mm. That's why it's—it's it's beautiful to watch, and it's not something that is taught widely in, in amateur boxing. And even now, you know, you see a lot of pro boxers, and it's all the, the jab is all the arm, it's all arm power. He commits to it. That's how you throw a jab. That's how you throw a proper fucking jab. Mm. If you're any student of the game right now or any amateurs listening want to know how to throw a proper jab, watch Mikey Garcia. Watch the way he throws that jab. Commits to it. Amazing. 30, so impressed.
0: 37 wins, zero defeats, 30, by the way, a knockout. He's going back down in weight now to 135 pounds uh, to hopefully fight uh, Jorge Linares. But I'm hearing that next week, Jorge Linares, Vasyl Lomachenko will be announced on the TV because it's all top ranked they were going to do it maybe I don't know if you saw it the weekend I think Vasyl Lomachenko was actually in the crowd for the Scott Quick yep. fight being yep. a top ranked thing uh, but uh, next week is obviously the Madison Square Garden show uh, Michael Collins on that show Yep um, um and I believe it's Ramirez Imam fighting for yep. the vacant WBC title um and on that card I am hearing that uh, Bob Arum will be announcing Vasyl Lomachenko and uh, Jorge Linares will be fighting on May the 12th on ESPN.
1: Wow. Two of my favourite fighters, and I say that because Linares is a different class as well. Uh, I've seen him this week, some footage from him training in Japan. Mm. See him on the speedball. Mm. Just like unbelievable footwork. He's alley shuffling. And he was just throwing hundreds of shots and on every one. Lands absolutely perfectly. Um, but obviously, <laughs> you know, you can't get away from the fact that Vasily Lomachenko is the best that will ever do it. Um what a fight. What an absolute fight that's going to be. Mm. But it, it surprised me that Garcia is still kind of committing to going back down to lightweight. I know he's the WBC lightweight champion, but I thought he looked great at super lightweight. I think Mikey Garcia is going to jump between the weights. I think he's going to try and keep hold of
0: He's going to champ, champ this it.
1: IBF super lightweight belt and he's going to keep hold of the WBC lightweight belt. Yeah. I think we're going to see him skipping between the weight divisions. And why not? The guy's fucking talented enough. Mm. Regardless of what nonsense the Showtime agenda is, Guy won that fight easy and such an exciting addition to that 140 pound division.
0: Mm. Um, Just speaking on um, the the WBC version of that belt which is up for grabs at uh, Madison Square Garden this week between uh, Ramirez and Imam. Obviously there was another fight in that same weight category at the weekend just gone. Uh, between Pogres and Indongo, uh, mm-hmm. Now, it's all a little bit of a mess at this moment in time. You may remember last week we were talking about uh, Josh Taylor going down the WBC route in this weight category. And therefore, at some point, I pointed out, I reckon he's going to be fighting for a world title against Indongo. Well, he's not, because Indongo no. got absolutely his ass handed to him we in two rounds off Regis. Uh, Progress, and I'll tell you something I haven't seen too much of him I've only seen little bits of clips here there and everywhere but I watched that fight and I thought to myself fucking hell who's that he is absolutely mustard that guy isn't he absolutely legit yeah he's got so much power It's, uh, it's kind of frightening
1: um and as you, you're right, he's kind of come from nowhere, you know. He's, so he, uh,
0: by the way, is he's now the interim champion. Yes, this WBC week-
1: interim champion. Which yeah. is
0: weird in itself. This yeah. weekend is for the full belt. Yeah. Then it's already been mandated that the interim champion, Pogres, will fight the winner of Ramirez versus Imam, just to clear everything up. And then whoever wins that will be the champion. I'm, after what I've just seen, I mean, don't get me wrong, Imam, Ramirez, both great fighters, but Pogres looks an absolute animal. And then off the back of that, uh, regarding rankings for Josh Taylor, he could be in. With uh, with Regis Progress for yeah. the uh, WBC Championship, it
1: has got a funny story. Progress as well. He was uh, he was originally based out of New Orleans, and it was Hurricane Katrina fucking smashed his house, his community, his boxing gym, took took everything the other way, uh, which forced him to relocate. I think he's based out of like Houston, Texas, or something now. Mm. But uh, he originally got into boxing after after training alongside the Van de Holyfield. So, you know, the kids got the kids certainly got talent. Twenty one and zero now with eighteen knockouts. Um, and when you when you go into a gun show against someone like Ndongo, who's also got a ton of knockouts, then uh, it was always, always going to happen one way. But talk about arriving. Because Ndongo, we know about him. Yeah, he's, we he's know been he can walk. Yeah. We know he can whack. We've seen him in big fights before. But a uh, perfect opponent for Progress to announce himself on the world scene. Wouldn't surprise me if he was at Madison Square Garden at ringside. He certainly should be yeah. calling for the winner. And uh, Is it next week, week after?
0: Which one? The Madison Square Garden yeah, Garden? Yeah. This weekend. This weekend, yeah. This weekend coming, yeah. Um. um now... Over our Christmas shows, I think in, actually at the start of January we told you that uh, James De would be activating his uh, rematch clause against Caleb Truex, but nobody seemed to want to to announce it, and I, I, it's been baffling me because I've known for about two months that April the seventh is the day, but nobody's made the announcement, and I've no idea as to why. However, they made the announcement last week; it's finally done, and yeah. a lot of fans was like ju- four
1: weeks to go. Yeah,
0: exactly. Fans <laughs> have been jumping on the bandwagon, going "Fucking, they've only got four weeks to train for that." He, he, no, no, no. He's been he's been back in camp. He's been doing his thing. Everybody seems to have known about it, but it's never been announced. So True the Gale 2. It's in Las Vegas this time, April seventh. Is um, it the uh, Lara Heard undercard? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe mm. that. It, maybe it was um, um, sorting out the the purse splits between them two because that is an it's absolute, a chief
1: supporter. That isn't it? Yeah, that yeah. is
0: an absolute beaut. Uh, Eric Sandy Lara, uh, Jarrett Heard. If you don't know too much about those two guys, that. I mean, it could be a stinker that because Lara is yeah. a very back foot, pop shot, yeah. Guillermo Rigondal style fighter. That's the best way of describing it if you, if you don't know too much about him. But he's brilliant. He really is defensively brilliant. And Jarrett Heard, um, he only knows it's how weird. to go forward. Yeah,
1: he's weird, Jarrett Heard. Yeah, we kind of, you know, we, we reviewed his last fight. I think it was against Austin Trout. And uh, we reviewed him then saying, oh, he's a power puncher, yeah, you know. But he looked nervous as fuck. Mm. He looked pretty raw. So Lara could take this kid apart, to be honest with you. Or. What we really want is Heard to land a bomb, yeah. and we see Lada in a, in a, in a real competitive scrap. Because one thing the Cuban knows how to do is win rounds and win mm. rounds quite comfortably. So hopefully that turns into a war. But I think it wouldn't surprise me if the Gale Two X stole a show.
0: Uh, April seventh. Uh, that's so not so not too long to wait. Just a couple of other things that have been made this week. Um, I'll try my very best to do these in order. Delighted that Ritson and uh, Scotty Cardell has been made for March twenty fourth. Uh, that's going to be on the Dillian White-Lucas Brown undercard uh, at lightweight. And I've said on, on many occasions, Lewis Ritson, I've seen him two on two occasions now in the flesh, he is absolutely brilliant. Scott Cardle, traditionally, has been tremendous. He hasn't really turned up in his last few fights as Scotty Cardle. Nope. I think he could be in a whole heap of trouble here, mate. I think Lewis Ritson, this is his coming of age fight where he announces, listen, I'm the boy, let's get on with
1: it. I think you're absolutely right, and I think Ritson is... Um... Is 100% legit. We've seen that so far in his career. We've seen it the other week against Joe Murray, which he absolutely blew Murray away. Um, I, I think he's he's going to move on from this British lightweight title. I'll be surprised if he doesn't win European honours, and I'll be even more surprised if he doesn't actually go on and win world honours as well. Mm. Um, Scott Cardle, you know, I think he was extremely lucky on two occasions against Sean Dodd, uh, against Masha. Extremely lucky. Uh, you know, I've spoken out publicly that I thought Terry O'Connor in the first fight was absolutely disgraceful the way he stopped that fight when uh, when Masha was absolutely miles ahead on the scorecards in my opinion, and obviously they had the draw the second time round as well. Um, so I, I, th- I think Cardle for me has been found out at domestic level, and I think Ritten's above domestic level. Mm. So I, I wouldn't, I'd be very surprised if Scott Cardle is the final bell.
0: Um, One lad that is definitely above domestic level and he's going to try and prove this on the AJ undercard. We spoke to him on our radio show at the weekend, on national radio, so you probably had the conversation. He's turning into a real top lad. I just wish everybody interviewed him, and this is blowing our own trumpet in a way. I just wish everybody interviewed him in a way that we were interviewing at the weekend. Yeah, because we had a laugh at him. Just have a laugh. Take it more down a bit of a social media, have a bit of a crack with him, Ru, and you'll get the but best.
1: Don't, don't fucking tell people how to interview well, properly. No, I don't
0: give a fuck. I'd be spreading the wealth. No, well, listen. It's um,
1: award-winning shit here. Yeah, don't it give is. it away for free. We should be doing
0: seminars on how to do, yeah, we should then, how yeah. To do interviews. Yeah, um, These wooden fuckers on TV. Anyway, uh, Josh Kelly is the man that we're referring to. And oh, I'd mate, say, what a diamond. He is a top lad. Uh, yeah. We got on with him uh, famously, and we did it at the weekend, um, as we were talking about his next fight, Carlos Molina's at Super Welterweight on March 31st. It's on the AJ undercard. Now, if you don't know too much about Carlos Molina... Now, bear in mind, Josh is still in single digits as a pro.
1: Five and oh, Right,
0: he's five, <laughs> he's five and oh, is Josh Kelly, right? Carlos Molina is a former world champion who has never been stopped. I'll tell you something... Eddie Earn, Adam Booth have got fucking massive balls to chuck him in with this guy at this yep. stage of his career. Yep. Absolutely massive. If he wins this, I'd say, you what. Where'd you go next? Your next step is right. Fucking stick him in with a world champ. Let's see. Let's see. Let's Absolutely. see what we do.
1: Listen, back when I was a newspaper boy and was covering boxing for for you know uh, various newspapers and whatever, I got a. You talk about Wood earlier. I got an absolute hard on for a, a Puerto Rican fighter that. Pretty much nobody had heard of at the time, but I'd followed the early stage of his career and he had this frightening... Run of uh, of knockout wins. It was just like insane. It was like twenty and you know, 19 knockouts or something like that. But his name stuck out to me, Kermit Sintron. always, yeah. and I was just banging to him and I was preaching about him and I was telling everyone that he was going to be the next big thing. He lost. He, he ended up getting stopped against Antonio Margarito, but then put his career back together and then lost the second time to Antonio Margarito, who, as we know, you know his his career has got a bit of asterisk next to him, Which after, is it. Was using concrete in his after doors? loaded gloves, yeah. And uh, you know, unfortunately, he was never the. Same he lost against Paulie Williams you know. he lost against Canelo of course as well it turned out to be anyway the point I'm trying to make is the guy was fucking nails and punches his hole through walls and this guy
0: Molina
1: Molina uh, went to distance with him, beat him on points. Uh, he's one of the guys who've beat Simpson. This guy went to distance, you know, uh, did 10 rounds with James Kirkland, punches like a lunatic, went to distance with K9 Bundred, who we know, was on that Contender TV show, turned out to be a world champion as well. Isha Smith, Corey Spinks, you know, he's been, but both beat, beat both those guys. These are world level fighters mm. and this guy's got wins over them. So to, to, to put, Josh in now with a guy with this much experience oh. at the high level. Oh. You know, he's not just he's not got a, he's he's not run up this twenty eight and eight record, and is, and his defeats or whatever have come against bums. This guy is legit. He has legitimately lost to world class talent, and he's never been stopped. What will that tell us if Josh Kelly can stop this guy? I know at the weekend Josh was saying to us, nah, you know, it's great to put-. and I was kind of going, Wow, fucking hell, it's it's clear they need you to they want you to have rounds. Because if any and this guy's gonna give you rounds and he's gonna give you a shitload of experience. But imagine if Josh Kelly finishes him. Imagine if he finishes him. What does that mean? I don't know. Fuck, maybe we could have our own version of Lomachenko in Josh
0: Kelly. Whoa! we could go for the world title fight. World
1: title fight in a seventh fight we could be talking about.
0: Fucking hell. I'll tell you something, though. What a card that is turning out to be. Makes me want to be a Geordie. (laughs) Then Geordies should be behind Josh Kelly, man. He's not a Geordie. Because he was a Geordie. He's Sunderland, isn't he? Oh, he's Sunderland, oh, fucking You going to we'll get lynched. That man, you're going to get that's your That's because we just talked about Ritson. We yeah, just talked yeah. about
1: Ritson. Sorry, yeah, mm. yeah, Ritson.
0: Uh, anyway, that card in itself, I know that obviously the main attraction is AJ Parker, but the undercard is shaping up Summit Ron, mate. It's shaping yep. up real good. And that, for me, that's the one for me. That is yep. fucking silly. Uh, anyway, so, there you go. March thirty first. That's when it's on there. And just to uh, add a little bit of fire uh, to the matchroom card, they've signed Danny Yelousian off. If you don't know too much about this guy, that's the guy that beat Josh Kelly at the Olympics in the first round and went on to become a, an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. Woo. I wonder. I wonder if they'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you insinuating a Louis? Are you insinuating a Louis Ortiz situation? Fast Eddie.
1: Keep your, uh, keep your enemies closer. Exactly, yeah. Keep your friends close and your enemies even closer, yeah. Mm. I loved it. I loved the way he fasted. He turned up and, and obviously had a, a, a black roll neck for him. Stick as that well. on,
0: Sam. <laughs> Stick that on, Sam. This is the look. The, ma- the, look the match room uniform. Because <laughs> the ladies love Mil <laughs> <laughs> Listen, only he can pull that off. Let me tell you. He's the only dude that can pull that off. Uh, and also, another fact that has been made, and we told you that this had been made about three, four weeks ago um, when we were in conversation with the uh, McDonald camp. Jim McDonald against Illinois in May, May 25th. Yeah. For the bantamweight WBA regular title, I'll tell you something, right? And I know that I've been maybe a little bit cynical with this because I know that the Japanese do pay; they pay very, very well. Yeah, it's probably a career high payday uh, this. Uh, so be uh, for Jimmy McDonald, but he's traveling as the champion to one of the most dangerous fighters on the planet and putting his belt on the line. Fucking balls of steel, that kid, has not he? Absolute massive nuts. And it's not the first time he's done it. Remember when he went over to America and beat one of the most dangerous guys on the planet twice? He's done it uh, by travelling, I think he's fought in uh, France a couple of times. He is not afraid to go anywhere, this lad, is he?
1: No, he isn't. And... uh... You know, he's not, he's not afraid to fight Japanese fighters as well. You say he went to America twice, but it was to fight Kamida twice yeah, yeah, proper. in Japan, you know. So, uh, tough guys. Like, I think Inui is the new golden boy of of Japanese boxing. Um, they're obviously stepping up to this bantamweight division because they've got one eye on the World Boxing Super Series and they want to have a representation for Asia. Uh, and Jamie seems like he's the guy that, there's two ways to look at it. He's got the golden ticket, but he's also being billed as a bit of cannon fodder. Um uh, it's tough over there, you know, Japan. The, the the Japanese culture and everything else. It can be a it can be an absolute shock to the system. I know Dave Caldwell, good friend of ours, is is really looking forward to the challenge and the test. For me, it's a it's a bit of a win win as
0: well. For yeah, I knew you got go down this.
1: Yeah, right? I think it's a bit of a win win because you know after the second fight with Solis in Monte Carlo, they were saying you know there's no way we're staying at bantam yeah. We we can't do it no more. We're going to go to super bantam, and I just think they've been looking for a fight at super bantam potentially hasn't been there or certainly not there for the right kind of money then an opportunity like this comes up and you think you know what we go there career best pay day and we go fuck well we've been telling you for years we're not a bantam anymore we're a super bantam and now we'll move up that we've lost the belt Hang on
0: mate you're talking like he's going to lose
1: hey? or, or do you give the belt up and move to super bantam yeah. to try and Hopefully find Listen, the belt. he goes
0: out there and wins. I mean, everybody's oh, going fucking <laughs> hell insane. to me. That's unbelievable. If he goes yeah. out there and loses, one, he's got weight in big time, and two, the ex- not the excuse, but the comeback is, we're not a bantam anymore. Exactly. On we go. Exactly. Let's move up to super bantam weight.
1: Exactly. So, uh, you know what? Uh, I 100% agree, Wiley. This <clears throat> this conversation certainly hasn't happened in Dave Caldwell's gym. They'll no. be training to win this fight. Yeah. And after the and performance... And would you back
0: against him? Against Kamida?
1: after the performance against their kid, the, their kid put in the other week yeah. as well. You know... They will go there with a game plan for a new week. They will go in there to win this fight. Make no mistake about it. Japanese boxing has been rocked with Lewis nearly going out and smashing Yamanaka Yamanaka Naka the smashed, other week. Yeah. So, you know, they're reeling a little bit at the moment, so Macdonald can go over there and make an absolute statement. Hmm.
0: I'm excited for it. Uh, May 25th, that's when that's happening. Now then, we've delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. Now we're going to talk about Mexican meat uh, because this dropped off the back of uh, last week's show. So last week we did the show and then all of a sudden this Canelo bullshit came out, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to move my camp from Mexico to, uh, to California and you're just going give me a slap on the wrist and we're just going to carry on as normal, yeah? Yeah, all right. Canelo, you crack on. We spoke right at the start of this show. One rule for one. About money in this sport and how it clouds people's judgment. People fail weight. The fight, in my opinion, should get called off. Nope, there's too many people getting weighed in, so therefore the fight has to go ahead. Here we go again. And this is even worse in with drugs in this sport. Now, we have known, that when I say we, me, Nick, you, listening to this show, you have known for about seven years there is a problem with the meat that is uh, for edible use in Mexico. We've known that. And the reason why there is a problem is because the feed in Mexico contains uh, clenbuterol, which is uh, a breathing-assisted uh, Uh, medicine you find it in a lot of um, asthma medicines now it's banned uh, in the u.s it's banned in eu countries uh, to be put into feed for livestock not banned in mexico so you've known for at least seven years that there's a problem um, with contaminated meat there's many fighters in the world of ufc that have been failing and using this as an excuse Mm -hmm. right outside of fight sports as well. A lot of Mexican athletes, full stop. Have well, have been using it across yeah, different sports. Well, if you remember, in 2011, at the under-17s World Cup of, in football, I do, you should remember this. <laughs> yeah. um, 109 athletes, 109 athletes failed a clenbuterol test and it was all because of the type of meat that they were eating, right? Yeah. So, we know that it's the problem. Now, if we know it's a problem, the fucking ginger Mexican knows it's a problem and his team know it's a problem. Yeah. Why the fuck He's one of the richest sports stars in our sport on this planet eating Mexican meat if he knows it's fucking contaminated. Don't give me that bullshit, Canelo. Don't give me that bullshit. Exactly. I'm not interested, pal. It doesn't wash with me. No. It's the ultimate excuse now, isn't it? Because
1: you can just go, well, you know, it's uh, it's the local meat. Okay, we'll move our camp to the US then. It's just the ultimate excuse. You know, I, I think, for one, if you're a star of his magnitude... Why, why, have... import your fucking meat exactly. from Argentina? It's simple, or oh, from the US. It's simple, it's not, it's not difficult for him to buy imported meat because of this issue. Oh, I can't eat Mexican meat. Where's that from? I can't eat Mexican meat because Just in I'm case. a professional fucking Just athlete, in case. and I don't want my career to be blighted by a failed drug test. Well. Now you have. Now, now you. you have had the failed drug test, and I, it doesn't wash with me. I'm not having it. That, and every everyone's come out and gone, yeah, but it's it's a trace, so it means nothing. Yeah, well, there's a trace. Is that just a red flag? Because we know, like it, it, across all sports, cheat the level of cheating, the, the 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 sports science behind cheating is always ten steps ahead of the guys trying to catch them. Yeah. Clenbuterol, Yet yeah, we're aware of it now, but we weren't probably weren't aware of it 10 years ago when everyone was probably taking it then. We are aware of it now, so we test for it now. But it can be used as a masking agent for other things. That's
0: Helps you strip weight. Exactly. Helps with breathing, uh, respiratory situations. But if, 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 if we're seeing traces of
1: clenbuterol, what, yeah. el- what else is out there? Do you know what I mean? That, that This is the problem we've got with the sport. So when we do find something, a trace of anything that we're aware of, mm. it needs to be dealt with fucking full on. It needs to be... Like he's got to be reprimanded. Something has got to happen. They can't just go, Oh, but it's Canelo, so pff, we're in Mexico, playing boost roll. You know the drill. We're gonna to move to America, it won't happen again. Sorry, boys, sorry about that. Yeah, okay, see you later. And then we're all gonna go, Oh okay. That, that why does that why is it him? Why does he get special? Because he's Canelo. And there's so much money in this second fight with Triple G. Mm. I think Canelo now, by his own ignorance in terms of eating a Mexican meat. He's left himself wide open. His career now will be questioned. And we've we even put a picture out. You know this kind of thing never happened to Manny Pacquiao, but there was always talks in the industry that Manny Pacquiao was juiced to the eyeballs. Mm. How else do you move up five weight divisions? If you look at Canelo from where he was five, six years ago, physically to what he is now. How the fuck has he got like that? He looks like Anthony Joshua's younger, whiter little brother. <laughs> Doesn't he? He's fucking cut to bits. He's massive. He's absolutely massive now. Prior to last week, you go. His body's matured. He's matured as an athlete. He's got a better strength and conditioning coaching. He's put on the right type of muscle to move through the weight
0: division. His head's twice the fucking size, man. <laughs> exactly. His head is twice the size. But, but
1: now they've had the failed test. You start going ding, 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 ding.
0: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And we know that Glenn is a fucking masking agent. So what are you taking alongside it, sunshine? Exactly. Game? Exactly,
1: It's a masking agent, my point entirely. It's a masking agent to what? Shit we don't know about, that's what it's a masking agent for. Mm. And that's why stuff like Clem Bouchard, we need to go, bang! Doesn't care if it's a trace. Doesn't matter if it's a trace, it's a masking agent. What else are you taking? The shit he's probably got run through his veins, we don't know about yet. Mm. Save it. This is what they should be doing now, saving a vial of every athlete's blood somewhere in this massive big fridge. <laughs> And then go back to it in 10 years' time and test and go, ah, you had a taste of Clem Buterol, but, you know... Look at it here. It's now got... It's, it's, it's 100%, 100% Clem Buterol back then. Exactly. It's Now it's a fucking mega mix of this, this, and this. So, uh, you know, but then it's like the Olympics, in it? You know, it's, you look back over the Olympic Games and mm. how many guys have rubbed, run sub-nine seconds, really, without
0: something in the system? Mm. Um, anyway, this is going to run, run, no doubt, as it we is. build up towards. It's uh, career, Adam. It's tarnished yeah, his always have an extra asterisk now, Because legacy. whenever he nails anybody, people like me, you, and the fans that pay a good money to go and watch this nonsense yeah. are going to go, nah. Yeah, but he's on the gear, isn't
1: he? Uh, did you see? I seen that. Uh, uh, he's on the gear. Liam Smith was trolling to fuck. Liam Smith with this. Yeah, but. Mate,
0: he smashed it. It was so funny. Yeah, but Americans, because he was smashing it, don't did get, get it? fucking sarcasm. I like don't. Shane Mosley jumping on me. <laughs> No, you didn't. Basically, Liam put out this tweet. ah, that's the reason I got beat off uh, Canelo, because he was on the Clen. But
1: he even had the fish with the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fucking Shane Mosley jumped And Shane, Shane Mosley bites on.
0: all over it, going, uh, no, I think you got beat because he was the superior boxer. Shane, pipe the fuck down. <laughs> You don't get it. Even uh, Billy Joe Sonners took over the Box Nation um, uh, Instagram feed and absolutely, all he kept tweeting was pictures of fucking juiced up cows. Absolute <laughs> massive cows going, I need to get myself some of this shit. Fucking Billy Joe. He's having a field day with this. Absolutely having a field day. Uh, Listen, um, this weekend we mentioned during this show that uh, Michael Conlon is back in action. Madison Square Garden, it's been a year uh, since he made his debut. Obviously, Conor McGregor walked into the ring that night. St. Patrick's night, it seems to be Michael Conlon night, doesn't it? At at the Garden. Uh, And he's on there. He's a little bit further down the bill this weekend, but I'm looking forward to seeing him do his thing, especially with this being the first escapade under the tutelage of Adam Boo, should be a cracker. Yeah, it should be a
1: cracker. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. It would have been nice to know his opponent was. It's now obviously uh, early in the week, there's five or six days to go before the fight itself. But I think whoever they bring in, you know, we, we've seen so far with Adam Boo's fighters that it won't be no mug. It won't be a, a club level fighter. It'll be someone half decent. I wouldn't be surprised if it was someone that's, a, you know, held a, held a ch- title or certainly fought for a title in the past mm. because Michael Conlon, like the rest of that camp, They've got so much talent. They need to be moved forward pretty quickly because the worst thing that can happen to Michael Conlan and the likes of Josh Kelly and it is going stale by yeah. by beating up bums. You know they need to be tested. They need to be pushed. And uh, I think this weekend he will probably get another half decent American. You know, obviously a US uh, a US level fighter It wouldn't surprise me. As I say if it was someone who'd, who'd had the belt wrapped around the waist. So he was in good spirits at the weekend. He sounds like he's uh, he's enjoying life with Adam Booth. Uh, we've got to get to that gym, man. I've got to go down to Adam Booth's gym. Uh, and, and check those guys out because talk about a fucking. I just want to go there. What and a get boy on... band
0: that is. Yeah, I just want to get on Josh Kelly's Instagram. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Do a bit of a pat I... with him.
1: Speaking about Instagram and talking about boy bands. Have you been all over Frampton, Martin Murray's
0: Fucking Hell.
1: It's like a fucking carrot they're supposed to
0: be out there training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking karaoke jams every night. That's it. Jesus He's Christ. Got pipes. He's got pipes with Frampton. He can do it. Frampton's a
1: bit. decent, yeah. I seen Martin Murray's video yesterday. He's shocking, man. He, he, just got an IGO, shocking. Didn't he? he did a cotton eye Joe and yeah. it was it was you know it was shocking, but Frampton's got Frampton can have a go, yeah. Frampton's got a good, uh, he's got a good uh, wedding singer thing lined up for when he finishes. <laughs> They're having a laugh though.
0: Yeah, they are having a bit of a scream, and we're looking forward to that fight uh, that Martin Murray is involved with. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders obviously on April fourteenth, and Frampton's got a, a knock as well on April twenty-first. There's a lot of awesome boxing coming your way over the uh, not too distant future. This weekend, as I said, Michael Conlan in action. Uh, at Madison Square Garden in the early hours of the morning. Box Nation, I think, is the channel uh, that will be showing that and obviously the title fight between Ramirez and Imam, which could directly affect uh, Josh Taylor at uh, some point later down the line. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. You can subscribe to this nonsense uh, on iTunes. Fight Disciples is what we're under. You can get us on our website as well, fightdisciples.com, if you're an Android user. And we're all over social media this week, at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, With there being no boxing this weekend in the UK, uh, myself and Nick are off to the UFC on Saturday night. So we'll be doing a little behind-the-scenes video uh, catching up with all the main protagonists like Michael Bispin and Joyce saint Pierre supposed to be in town, Darren Till will be in town, Paige Van Zant's in town, all yeah. those types GSP. of guys. GSP. Uh, so that's what I just said, Joyce St-Pierre. Sorry. Why did you get that? You shouldn't be texting whilst I'm talking. No, I This is what I imagine everybody else to do at this particular point of the show as well, right? When I do this wrap-up at the end, when I'm, like, promoting stuff... You switch off and start fucking about down there. So i mean anticipating that everybody listening to the show right now is going, oh, he's fucking... Right, switch it off now. He's fucking going on about bullshit.
1: <laughs> I had a text off me, Mum.
0: Yeah, all right. Anyway, um, it'll be on our social media, so you can have a little bit of a nosy at that. We'll catch you next time.
1: Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.